Hello and welcome to How to Win the Lottery. Happy New Year 2022. <laughs> this is episode, season two, episode six, My Education by Susan Choi. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I am recording artist Snow, recorded, recorded the song Informer in the 90s, did a fake patois, have since been canceled for that fake patois, and now I'm here doing a podcast about literature. The fact that he, he you, Snow, <laughs> yeah. is our... White was one of the, the greatest shocks of my musical life. When you were a kid, you thought that he was a Jamaican guy. <laughs> sounds like a Jamaican guy. <laughs> it sounds authentic to the to the ears of a what was I five when that when that song came out. Bob, what is Snow about? What is my education about? <laughs> you don't want to like. Uh, I could do it, but pass I pass the football back and forth for a while here. I wanted to ask you that question early because I don't know how to describe this book, and I didn't want you to ask me that question. I, real simple, it's an infidelity drama. That's it. Okay. Next and, theme song, and then and then and then and then it's an infidelity drama, and then it loses its goddamn mind and forgets what it's about. Yeah. So I did not like this book, uh-huh. and I was struggling to figure out why I didn't like it. Yeah. And then I figured it out, uh-huh. and that was still when it was good. Or not bad. Okay. That was still in the first two-thirds of it. Yeah. And then, like you said, it goes off the rails in a way that I don't understand. Yeah, it forgets what it's about, yeah. And it jumps forward in time, 14 or 15 years, and it just becomes a whole different thing. Informer, you know? <laughs> keep it up. Keep it going. I don't know what the words are. No. It's just like, you know, some blam or something like that. Something like that. But the reason I figure, the reason I realized I didn't like this, the the first two thirds, which I think you could conventionally call the good part of the book, yeah. is because I feel like it captures a certain level of like Gen X ennui that I am too young. I don't. I, it's it's capturing an era that I don't connect to. It's like a yeah, restlessness yeah, and that. everything, and I, I feel that. like to a certain type of person they could really because you said to me early on. Is this too inside baseball as a grad school literature? And I said, no, like that's not. I'm, yeah. I, that's not an issue for me. But I feel like the listlessness and the like sleeping around and everything just feels like it's all the problems that Regina and all these characters have feel like they existed in a time before I came of age or whatever. And I'm just like, I, 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 I don't know. Yeah, they existed at a time when also like it feels like you could uh, get away with being a horny couple of teachers in a college town who notoriously seduce students and it's like wink wink isn't this wild that this is happening at our school it's not like a thing that people are getting run out of town on well there's that movie have you seen the movie professor marston and the wonder women wonder wonder women i think it's plural no but it's about the creation of the wonder woman character i think yeah i'm familiar i'm familiar with professor marston but there is – it's a man who is – I think it's Luke Evans of Fast and Furious fame. Which is which is that guy? He's Owen Shaw. He's the bad guy in Six. He's Statham's right. brother. Okay. Well, great. All right. But he is a teacher and he Talk teaches inside like – inside baseball. I know. He's got, a, he's got a very generic English name and his character is out of a generic English name too. Yeah. So it's hard. But he is a teacher of, like, I think exclusively, like, young women, or maybe it's at a women's college or whatever, and his wife is, like, the TA. And I don't – I only seen the movie once in theaters. I really liked it, but I, re, I don't remember if it's, like, an ongoing thing or just, like, a – oh, yeah, but they seduce this young woman. It's just, like yeah. – it, it's this. It's just, like, it happened back in, like, the 50s and 60s, and apparently 
in the early 90s, too. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like, you know, the, the thing about teachers and students at a college level is that college students are technically adults and they're like in a time of their life when they're, I guess, quote unquote, sexually experimenting, becoming more bold. Like notoriously, it's like, you know, there's a joke that like you go to college and then you and, and you like you know, have your first gay experiences and all and all of that stuff. And you're just like, you know, starting to sleep around a lot and things like that. And then like there's the inherent power dynamic between teachers and students that like asserts itself in, in a uh, as far as fantasy is concerned and like in like a uh, there's something Freudian about it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and and like so I think before like culturally we really got a rein on sort of hierarchical power structures and the predatory nature of those things yeah they uh you know it happened it happened quite a bit i mean i know a lot i know a number of people who have been in relationship with like when i was in college i knew a number of people who were in relationship with teachers and that's how this book starts that's how this book starts yeah how does it start go ahead that Regina Gottlieb, who I don't even think we – I feel like we don't know her character name for a while. Like, I feel like you have to, like, parse that together. No, you get it pretty pretty early okay. on because she's, like – because uh, they question – like her name's Regina Gottlieb, but she's Asian. So they're just like, what's going on with you? Right. Dad Germanic. Yeah. Mother Asian. Mm-hmm. She's a grad student at, his co- at a college. Which is hold on by by the way like her being a grad student is putting an extra layer in like this this is all rightness of her having relationships with right, state which, teachers which right? because she's older and more mature factors in directly to the fact that she is seeking out this guy because he has a reputation of sleeping with his students and she's like I want that yeah. or at least I want to figure what that's about there's something fascinating about this guy because he has like a magnetic aura and he is. Uh, and part of that magnetic aura has to do with these rumors that he seduces students, which, like, they're very uh, – uh, for, like, half the book, we're like, it's clear that they're just rumors. But then it turns out, no, they're not just rumors. He actually does. But when he does, he makes sure that he's sleeping with only his TAs so that yes. they're, like, old enough and he's not fucking around with undergrads. Nicholas Brodeur. Yeah. The second most famous Brodeur that I know. <clears throat> yeah. Right. I don't know another one other than Hall of Fame goaltender Martin Brodeur. Yeah. And his, his dad. Who Marta, Marty's dad? Yeah, he's the uh, photographer for the Montreal Canadiens. Oh, cool. So third most famous, Nicholas Brodeur. Like, Regina's like, I knew who he was even before they introduced him. Like, I could just, I could feel his aura. And then... She describes uh, him as, like, looking, like, essentially, like... Um, it's 1992, but she's like, he looks like he could be in Joy Division. Like, he's wearing, like, a black duster, and he's got, like, uh, yeah. like bleached blonde hair that's, like, all ruffled. And he's wearing, like, I think maybe black, like, circle shades indoors. And he, like, looks – like, the way she describes him, it's so funny because it's, like, it's it's 1992. I mean, this, I, I don't know. But this the, book came out in the last, like, decade. Right, right. Yeah. But, like, in 1992, like – People see this guy and they're just like, so fucking hot. But like, I think of this, I, I, I'm picturing this guy in my head and I'm just like, what a dork. Like, what a loser. This guy like looks like he's like the fifth vampire in Lost Boys or or like maybe like, yeah, one of the, one of the goths cast offs in the craft or something like that. So what, there's an interesting thing that I had. It didn't ruin anything for me, but... This is another book that you had not read before this yeah. podcast. Which which I think were um the record is not great of the books that I haven't read. Prep and this, that, right? That we've introduced, yeah. Probably the two worst books. <laughs> <laughs> but 
I think prep is not for us. I think this is like more objectively less good. And Susan Choi is an objectively more celebrated writer than Curtis Sittenfeld. Like she has a national book award. She is like a regular at the New Yorker. She is, I think maybe a teacher at Yale or something like that. I was trying to figure out if I was alone. I'm just like, I can't connect. Like after I finished the book and I looked on Goodreads and the most popular, most liked review was a two star review and then a one star review and then a five star review. (laughs) Yeah. And the first two reviews are just like, what do people love about this? Like what's going on? So, but you told me before, you're like, I haven't read this yet, but I think it's a lesbian drama. Which I think is partially what people like about it. Right. Right. I think I think it's like, um, you know, we've this is our second book in a row that I would qualify as a horny book. Yeah. It's explicitly not that sexy, right? I don't well, I like it's, I, at times it is. Yeah. I think so. So but I'm reading this book and it's like this young girl's like this older dude, gimme, and I'm like, it's pop out this right? And then like she sees Martha, like just this like beautiful, very pregnant woman, like standing outside the door. She's like, "Oh, who's that?" I'm like, "Hmm." And then they have the dinner party. Yeah, and I think the dinner party is like one of a few moments that like it's actually sexy when they actually hook up for the first time. But they only like make out. Like it, it gets kind of yeah. hot and heavy. But they only they don't they don't have sex then. Yeah, and she like pinches her nipples in front of uh, Lawrence, and Lawrence is just like, "Oh me, oh my, I gotta I'm, go. I'm taking you home right now." But yeah, I was just like, I wonder if this is the, oh, yes, it is the right book. Okay, yes. Yeah, I think there are like one or two, three maybe really good moments in this book. There are pretty few and far between. But I think when when it hits, it really does hit. Would you say you like this book or didn't like this book? If you have to to choose one, one side of that. I would say that I didn't like it. Okay. I have a number of reasons why. Well, hit us with one right now. Well. Ooh, notebook. (laughs) Let's get out this notebook. I think it's kind of lazy. Like talking about the power structures that we, that we were that we were talking yeah, about yeah. before, and and all of this, like hierarchical power structure stuff. I like Susan Joy is aware of that. I know she is. I know she's Susan Joy is. She's also a professor, a smart person who is aware of all of the power dynamics of all of this stuff. But like Martha functions within the university power structure as a professor, but like over and over again, her status as a predator is undermined because one, Martha is. Berdor's wife. Berdor's wife. And Regina's lover. Eventual lover. Like, number one, because she's a woman. Yep. Number two, because she's in a lesbian relationship, right? Which we also... Um, but you're did- saying she's not a, she's not viewed as a predator because of these reasons. Uh, yeah, yeah. For, the, for the same reasons that, remember, Affenlight was also not viewed as a predator. Because it's a gay we, relationship. We never investigated Affenlight's status as a predator because I think there's this idea that with quote-unquote taboo kind of love affairs you have to take them where you can get them and they're behind closed doors and you have to sneak around and sometimes you're going to step on some toes and blah 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 and um like number three because she's not the aggressor right similar to the way that owen was the aggressor affinlight was not the aggressor martha is not the aggressor the student in each of those cases is the person that has the power right remember how um when they are at that uh party Regina is very, like, demanding. Like, she steps right up to her, and she's like, you know what you want. And she, like, grabs her and kisses her. And it's, like, very—she's very assertive for being a person who is, like, lower on the the totem pole than than Martha. Um, So how does this fit in with it being lazy? I lost my space in my notes. You fucked me up. Um, The the relationship between Martha and and, uh, Regina is, like— it's reflected as a toxic relationship, but that's honestly like only because the people involved in it are shitty. Yeah. It's not presented as as like like the book doesn't serve as an investigation of power at all. In fact, like every time there is something worth analyzing, 
within that power structure, it's like dismissed out of hand immediately. Well, what's what I found on that note is yeah. that it's like a 300 page book. So about average in length or whatever, although there's like, a, I feel like it's longer. It felt long. Because I think it's just like the pages, like I actually read a physical book this time as opposed to like a Kindle version or whatever. And like the pages are bigger and their text is smaller and there's just like a lot of text, okay. whatever. It did but feel like a long book. There's only like six chapters or something, which is not a, a, a thing, whatever. But what I think is an issue about that is that the chapters push us forward in time yeah. and to your point, skip over like interesting things. Like they're at the dinner party from hell, right? And then Regina steps up to Martha and they make out and it's like, oh, we're about to get. And then like we skip forward and like they're like a month into the relationship. It's like, wait, hold, wait, what? Yeah. And what like, is, all, what is all of that in between? Like that, like the honeymoon period is now over. And they're like in this domestic sort of partnership. Yeah. Weird kind of thing. I'm just like, why did you skip that? There are a couple of more times like, like when uh, when Brodor finally catches her. In the car. In the car. Yeah. And then after that, we jump forward. I'm like, no, no, no. I want her going back with the Chinese food and be yeah. like, guess what just happened to me? Do you think – so that's obviously a choice. Yeah, it's a choice. Is it a choice out of – it's I'm I don't know how to describe this other like I'm trying to give Susan Choi like a a, a benefit like is there any a good way to describe it because it just feels like she either doesn't know how to write the conflict or doesn't want to write the conflict. I think she doesn't want to write. I I, I, assume, I assume that she knows how. I'll give her the benefit of the doubt on that. I don't think I need to give her the benefit. She she knows how. I mean Susan Choi is not a bad writer. The the writing on a line to line basis, the the interplay between the characters and stuff like that. I think it works. I think some of the dialogue is really sharp. I think it's good. I, it's a choice. It's a choice to leave us without these dramatic moments in favor of, I guess, never never diminishing that tension. Like, there's a lot of fighting in this, obviously, because there's a lot of relationships beginning and ending. What, what you're saying, what we're saying, it feels like the conflict that you want to see is almost never in the text. Yeah. Um. So let me go, let me go back a second to what yes. I was saying about the about the investigation of um, power struggle and stuff. Every time that we're introduced to this idea of predation, it's it's completely dismissed, right? Brodor is a predator. No, bro. Those are grad students. It's totally cool. Martha is a predator. Nah, uh, Regina dropped out, so that power structure doesn't exist anymore. Uh, Dutra is a predator. No way. Dutra's not like that, right? It's like something that like – and, and like the book goes out of its way to say, hey, look, it's not that kind of book. Take your investigations of power hierarchies and fuck off back wherever you came from, right? Yeah. Like it's it seems to be saying like almost like this doesn't exist, right? Like these accusations of predatory people are like not real, and I don't want a book to more. I don't need a book to moralize at me. I don't need like I, I I don't need the book to condemn Martha and Regina's relationship. I don't need the book to condemn Brodor. I don't need the book to condemn Dutra. But like to do it over and over again, and then over and over again, be like. This is not something worth thinking about. This is not something worth investigating. Um, does feel like I don't know, soft serve ice cream to me. Like gay. Like it, it's just like weak. Yeah. So that's the laziness. That's yeah. I think that's the laziness. And I don't like again. I don't need the book to moralize. But like, it feels like it's going out of its way to not investigate an interesting path. The book is more interesting if Dutra is a predator. Frankly, the book is more interesting if Brodor is a predator, and if they're just like. We need to investigate this. Or if Regina's like, he's a predator, yeah, but fuck it, I still find him hot. Like, that is, like, more interesting. But, like, it, the, the the predatoriness of Brodor is, like, dismissed fairly yeah. easily. Well, again, to that thing. So, like, Brodor, like, she thinks that she's stealing Martha from Brodor. 
But the reason that Martha is attracted to her is because her marriage is falling apart, which we find out later when Regina finds out later. But there's again, there's no conflict there. It's just like, oh, yeah, he's gone. She didn't tell you. I've been gone for a while. Right. Yeah. Actually, like, I think I think the the um, Regina's misread of that situation is one of the more interesting aspects of the text of Regina, like continually thinking like that she's fucking up their marriage or that Regina is the one that's and and uh and Martha just being like, no, these two things can both exist simultaneously and not have anything to do with one another. Because it's like that that is a complicated idea. Well, and, I think it, I think that I think that I agree with that. It's interesting because it's the young, inexperienced, full of love person just like, well, you're with me because you want to screw him over. It's like, no, it's and like Martha, maybe because we're not in her head, maybe because she's not articulating it well or maybe because Regina just refused to accept it. It's just like, I'm not doing this thing with you because of him. Like they're. They're yeah. connected, but it's not one become. If it, if become... it weren't you, it would be somebody else, probably. Right. Yeah, right. So that that's an interesting thing, and I think I think your your point is well taken about um, Regina being a young person who's like, you know, she has no peripheral vision really. Yeah. Right. It's all like the world is all right directly in front of her and is all about her. Um, and everything that ba- everything bad that happens is the end of the world, and everything good that happens is like the best thing in the world. That there's no, it's just young and full of emotion. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas Martha's what maybe fifteen years older than her. Yeah, I think when when the stuff that's happening in the text is happening in the in the first section, Martha is thirty four, and Regina's like 24, 20, 20, no, like 21, 20, 21. 21. Yeah, tell us about Dutra because that's we we haven't gotten into him yet. So the inter- another interesting thing about the way that we've done the podcast, and not the critical analytical part of the podcast, but in our Patreon bonus episodes at patreon.com slash lottery pod, where we put out an episode in between each of these episodes, which are honestly more fun because they're dumber. They're way, way dumber. Ranking the characters by how much I like them has changed the way that I read these books. Because <laughs> I'm like, That's I'm really thinking funny. as I'm like, okay, yeah. Because maybe aside from Dutra, though Dutra might fall into this, every character in this novel gets worse as it goes on. Like, I'm just like, oh, these characters are maybe a B tier or a C tier. And then, like, as it goes on, I'm just like, oh, I don't, I like these people less and less or whatever. But Dutra is Regina's, like, roommate that she, she doesn't really know. She just finds, she needs a place to live. She finds this guy. They hook up just because they're ostensibly two attractive people living together, young, in college, experimenting, whatever. Yeah, he's charming. He's, like, uh, uh, in some ways, a manic pixie dream boy. Um, he's, like, in a lot of ways, the most likable person in the book. In a lot of ways, the the only person in the book that has, uh, like, a remotely unique voice. And this is actually uh, um, Meg's note, so I won't take credit for it. But Meg said that it's possible that um, the reason why he has a unique voice is because he's the only one that's not, like, a literature major. So, like, they, they're, they're all speaking similarly because they're all, they all, like, occupy the same literary world of, like, highfalutin, blah, blah, theory, etc. And then Dutra exists in, like, this pre-med uh major you know whatever yeah there was a tweet that i saw that said pete davidson travis barker machine Gun kelly are the manic pixie dream girl of men the chaos goblin line cook so if we yeah, yeah, yeah. a chaos goblin yeah. line cook but right. he's I, think, I, I i saw i think i saw a thing calling them manic pixie line line cook so yeah in different ways brodor and regina and martha are all admirable and cool and like yeah i want to hang out with them and then also just like totally I don't, I don't want to hang out with any of I know them. but like there there are moments where you're like oh yeah cool like it could be like a very erudite like smart party and yeah, you're like yeah, yeah. oh no this sucks mm-hmm. I don't want to be here mm-hmm. I don't want to read about it I don't want to be there either right yeah but Dutra is cool because he's like you know um 
I have I have notes about Dutra too, which is that like he exists as a kind of fantasy male, in a like non sexual even even though like there is sex, uh, but he's like you know non threatening while being dark. Like they use suicide as a prop later on. Like there's like the chance he might kill himself. He's hyper competent while still being a drug user slash pool player. So he like exists in this place where he's like someone who's like a world renowned surgeon, but also he like smokes pot and used to be a heroin addict. So he's like, he's like, uh, you know, got a, a foot on both sides of the train tracks. He exists exclusively to be cool, to make quips, to like know shit about fish. Um, fish being like a, not the band. Yeah, not the band. That would make him not cool. It depends on who you ask. I would agree. <laughs> uh, but his uh, function is ostensibly as as an outside character until the book fucking decides that it doesn't want to end. And, and like every other character is so unlikable, but we can't just like kill them all with anthrax or something. So we shift into the book being about Dutra. So the biggest and most jarring thing that happens in this book is that we go from early 90s to 2007 and we go from where is the where is the novel? Like, where's the college? I forget or I don't I don't I don't know if I ever knew. I think it's in New England. Okay. I think okay. they're all in New England. Okay. And so we're there. There's also a thing where they talk about seeing Pulp Fiction. I'm like, bitch, it's 93. Movie came out in 94. Book lies. <laughs> That's not something that I caught. I had a very big issue with that. So I'm just like, whatever. Okay, it's fine. I'll I'll move on. <laughs> Maybe they went to the Cannes Film Festival and saw it together or something. Yeah, probably. And then they just jump forward to 2007. Everyone is just like settled into a life with filled like yeah. where we're surrounded by characters we don't know and never really get to know. Right. And Martha and Brodor go away. And it fills you in on all this Dutra shit that is like not like it's just like who cares? No. Yeah. Why am I learning about any of this stuff? Regina is married to a guy and has a baby. Yeah. And seems like mimicking mimicking Martha's life in a way because she like also is uh, and I mean, she's a writer. She's like a popular novelist, but like she's like uh, frustrated and she, stuck. And she's brought in the um, uh, uh, nannies to take care of her yep. kid so that she could do her research and mm-hmm. stuff. It's like she, she's in a lot of ways mimicking, uh, mimicking Martha. And Dutra has been out of her life because in before we jump forward in time. So Regina's with Martha. While that's happening, Dutra spies on them and meets Martha because he always wanted to meet Martha. And then he falls in love with Martha. Martha. He falls in love with Martha. They sleep together, and it ruins everything for everybody. And then we jump forward in time. And then we jump forward in time, and we get all of this stuff about where we make the book about Dutra. Uh, a but lot only of- after he like re-enters. Like it's like we jump forward to a specific point where like he's re-entering Regina's life. Yeah, because she has chosen to ice him out for ruining her two closest friendships, mm-hmm. her struggling love life with Martha, but also like her best friend in Dutra and like them falling in love and sleeping. After, after, well, let's, let's chill on saying that they fall in love because that's a big beef of mine that we can talk about in a minute. But, um, well, Dutra, I think falls in love with her. Yeah. There's no, there's no evidence of that. Like they just say it. it, it, It's like he, he's in love with Martha as like a third plot, a third act plot device so that like we can have an ending to the book. Yeah. That's like, there's no evidence throughout the beginning two thirds of the book that, that he gives a shit about Martha at all. Other than like that, he does sleep with her. It feels like they maybe just like got drunk and slept slept together. Right. But, but like making him fall in love with her is like absurd because it kills his cool by making him fall in love. 
because uh, there's zero evidence that he is in love with Martha until we need him to be. At which point, like the soul, his soul flaw, like before then, is his betrayal. So like we're forgiving that betrayal because now it's not it's not really a betrayal if he was in love, you know, because it's like part of like love is like this uh, almost deterministic force. Like you're not going to not sleep with someone if you're in love with them just because it's a betrayal of someone else, because otherwise Martha would have been betraying Brodeur and we don't hate Martha for betraying Brodeur, do we? So like over and over again, like, well, because we don't like Brodeur. Yeah, right. Because why don't we like Brodeur, though? Because I don't think we get a chance to know him. We don't like anybody. There's no why do any of these people love any any of them? Like what why do why are any of them in love with any of them? I think I think Regina loves Martha because she's the forbidden fruit for a few different reasons. But that's yeah, but that's just like hot. That's not the he, I get the sense that like they're in an, in a in a world where there's like 40 people and they just don't have choices. And it's just like, if it's not Martha, it's nobody. Because like, there's nobody else out in the world. And not like a nobody gets me, but there's literally nobody else. And like, I don't know if that that's just me reading into it. But I just felt like the, that she's like, you know, it's, it's Martha. It's just, like, there's nobody well, else. Well, I guess it is like a small college town. And she's not going to date students. They're surrounded by students all day. You mean Martha? Everybody. Before Regina quits, she's TAing, and it's just like, it's her and Lawrence and Rodor and Martha, and then just kids. And Dutra, who she's fucking before she yeah. stays fucking Martha. So, like... I don't know why she doesn't stay with Dutra. That, maybe because that's not a just, novel. Just because she fell in love with Martha. Yeah. Right? But it's like, none of these people have any qualities that would make you go like, oh, yeah, Martha's not funny. She's not kind. She's not, um... I guess she's smart in a way that is attractive to Regina, but Regina abandons the, the like, academic pursuits... Regina, for, for Martha. Regina herself is not um Yeah, everybody sucks. She she's she sucks. She's not like a, a fun person. She's kinda like mean. She's petty. She betray So like, maybe maybe just like attracts like and they, they know that they can't do better because like so that's why they're in love with each other. Yeah. But her and Martha, even when they get together, they're always sniping at each other and it's just like, Jesus Christ, just break up. Yeah. Why are you together? And then to like them be like Oh no, Dutra's in love with Martha. It's just like, why? Why is Dutra in love with Martha? Why would Dutra pick Martha out of like however many people? He seems to be the only interesting person in this entire town. So like when his character gets, he he has this flaw of betraying uh, Regina. And then it's like, oh no, he actually is not bad because this is love, puke, fart, diarrhea, cum, blast, fuck, shit, dildo, piss. Did you write that down? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> there's more in here hold on i feel like Dutra... hard cock swollen asshole who gives a shit i wrote a lot of things down i feel like dutra is both like the reason that he falls in love with martha is because he is i got the sense that he is both he's like an extroverted introvert i feel like he would rather just sit at home and smoke weed all the time but also when he goes out he's late for the party but he doesn't want to go out and i feel like he just falls in love with martha because He's not in love with Regina because they they try the thing and he like respects that boundary or whatever. And then he's just suddenly around this older woman all the time, just like yeah, okay. It's well, like he's a surprise, very a proximity. Okay, crush. so this this makes sense to me. It makes sense to me if he is sleeping with Martha out of vengeance because Regina rejects him. Because I don't think we get that though. No, no, that's right? not what's happening. Because there's no emotions that strong here. But there are. You do get the sense that he really does love Regina in, in, in multiple ways, especially once we get to 2007, it does seem like he, you know, he makes 
a bunch of efforts to keep her in his life. Well, there's the conversation at the end between Regina and what's her name? Alice? Yeah. Where Alice Alicia, is like Alicia. Alicia, Alicia. Where Alicia's like there's three different things. There's like love, intimacy, and friendship, or something like, or sex, sex, intimacy, and friendship, or something like that. And like, he doesn't do all three with anybody. He, he might not even do two with one person. He's just like, you have friendship. Like that's what he. So like, I don't know if that is earned. I don't know if that's this character's like experience because she's also been like the the victim of this yeah. comes out of nowhere where right. she was like a victim of like sexual assault by her stepfather or whatever, right? And then she becomes a lesbian. It's just like, where is this all coming from? So I don't know if this is this character who we, like, don't need to know just assigning values to Dutra after the fact, but it feels like if we're taking that as true... Yeah, yeah. It's, it, no, it's, it's, it's very much like, you know all this shit that, like, we didn't illuminate throughout the text through, like making his qualities apparent through action and and through through dialogue and through like cleverly displayed exposition um i'm just gonna list a bunch of qualities that he has that there's no evidence of him having this is like you know us talking about in prep and you like i don't like when the characters come back and just say things at the end like this is like not even characters coming back it's just like hey here's a new character <laughs> <laughs> like she just pops her head in the window and she's like uh by the way Dutra had an abusive father she has a thing. So if we're taking this for gospel, that Dutra, through any number of life events that maybe include Regina or happen before Regina, chooses either to be friends with somebody, to be close with somebody, which apparently is different, or to have sex with somebody, and that's all he does with a person, then he can't be in love with Regina. He's just friends with Regina. So, like, that doesn't even make sense. So there's no vengeance. This is stupid. Because, because like, the, the, there is, like, one of the other good scenes in the book is when um, she tells him that she's moving out. And he's and they're, like, on the porch. And he's, like, you know, he starts drinking his beer more quickly because he's kind of hurt, obviously. And he's, like, like giving her advice on how to uh, find a good apartment and all of these things. And it's, like, like, that's Susan Choi, I think, does a really good job of displaying how hurt Dutra is by her leaving because um, you do get the sense that he feels about her the way that he doesn't feel about other people. So if you push that a little further and if he's in love with uh, Regina, when he sleeps with Martha, it's a self-destructive slash creative act of hurting Martha and hurting Regina, both of them at the same time for hurting him. And then your third act would then you would be, him repairing those relationships knowing that he destroyed them and then you have a redemptive arc and you can have all of these people working together to create something but that doesn't exist in this book no because the third act is filled with characters we don't know don't care about the whole point of the third act is like here's a bunch of people like let's go back to what we were doing in the first two thirds but like without any of the connective tissue no they're sheep farmers now oh brodor is wrote a, a popular book on Shakespeare and Eros, uh, which is a bestseller. Fuck off. Joaquin has a really shitty blog. Yeah. That everybody loves. That everybody loves. It's the world's most popular sheep blog. I have a son named Lion. Yep. Lion? I call him Kitten. I call him Kitten. Like, it's funny, like, how Joaquin is, like, not the kid's name. It's, like, Joachim or something Well, like no, that. they, so, yeah, they call him Joachim, like, they're English and dumb and they have the the nanny who's like Lucia, who's Hispanic, and she pronounces the Joaquim like the per- proper way. And Regina's just like, I don't know what this kid's name is because everybody, <laughs> everybody says it different. I want to talk about it becoming a nine eleven novel. Go ahead. I don't. I don't have anything to say about that. Because there's a there's a passage. 
where it this it just doesn't we skip through 9-11. We're like after the fact. Although we like flash back to 9-11 yeah. and like getting – I'm just like, why? They should have had Dutra like be like the let's roll guy. <laughs> like just retcon that to make Dutra the guy on United 93. It's like we got to stop these terrorists. <laughs> it had to be one story or the other. All of us who had been there had chosen disaffection for New York ratified by the awful events or love for New York ratified differently by the awful events. I'd made the second choice, and so my life. Years of noncommittal cohabitation, of narcissistic foot-dragging, of self-righteous anti-marriage and child-rearing screeds, and most stubbornly obstructive and thoroughly secret, of shameful bereavement for Martha. She's like, hey, 9-11, I'm thinking about Martha. Oh, that's, yeah, whatever. Had come to an overnight end. Reader. Every, everybody everybody she, makes 9-11 about themselves, by the way. then addresses us and says, reader. I grew up. I married Matthew. This made me so angry. I'm just like, why is this happening? Oh, um, well, that it. So, lit inside baseball. Um, re- reader, comma, I married him is like a really, really famous bit from Jane Eyre. So, like anytime there's like reader, I da da, like out of nowhere, it's like a like a throwback to Jane Eyre. So it's like the Wilhelm scream of literature. Kind of, yeah. There's also a thing later where she's like, me and Joaquin became friends such in a way that I capitalized friend, and I'm just like, I don't know what that means. We're existing in a narrative now. This isn't life. Like yeah. this is. Hate it. I saucily threw out my birth control pills. It was a trading of the murky infinite for the well-lit and limited, and I would never regret it. But extravagance of action on the part of others, the assertion that plot twists remain possible, now excited me in mild scorn, the reverse side of envy. I would have felt this even if it weren't Martha, but given that it was, I felt it all the worse. And it's just like, okay, so you're ascribing all this meaning because of 9-11, which sure, yeah, whatever. But like we skip past it, and then we go back to it just when it's convenient. And again, it's like, hey, my life was defined by 9-11, weren't we all? Let's talk about Martha. Why? What? Especially because it's not a New York book until that point at all. No. There's like no, no. And it's also not a New York book in any other way that matters. Like there's nothing New York about it other than like, hey guys, we lived through 9-11. <laughs> it's like, no. Just, it describes the falling man too. That like yeah. uh, uh, Joaquin was like, yeah, I looked back and I saw. Like, I knew they weren't kids. I knew that they were real people in real danger. It's like. So this guy plunging to death with his feet, with his knee bent and his head plunging toward the earth. It's just like. All right, I don't like why are yeah, why are we doing this with this book? I was just like, what? What? Cuz I I we might have talked about it on here or maybe somewhere else, but 9/11, I was 13 and I was in 8th grade. Yeah. And my middle school made the decision to not tell us. That's awesome. Ball and move. All day long cuz you know, we're like an hour from New York, all day long kids' parents are coming to take them out of school and we're like is going on and teachers are like there's like substitutes that are like going to classrooms so that the teacher the actual teacher of the classroom can go to the library where they've like papered shut the windows and have the news on in the library so teachers can keep up to date but we don't know what's going on and everyone is rattled and we're just like eh? but like it must not be a big deal because like, if it was a big deal like they would tell us but like someone's crazy happening or whatever and then they found themselves at the end of the day but like my my perception of 9-11 is just like so warped and skewed because I was so close to it. Yeah. And then I was kept in the dark for eight hours and I just got home. And like, because of that, I was like, so like, can we go still go to the mall tonight? My parents were like, no. Oh. Like, what? <laughs> I thought you were going to say, I got home and I was like, what's up with Martha? No, no, no. But I'm just like, <laughs> like, I didn't think it was a big deal because my school was just like, oh yeah, like if you just, but they were like preserving sure. the sanctity of like yeah, yeah. sixth graders or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I had this weird thing with 9-11 I don't know it, yeah and I don't even know why I brought this up but it's just like a weird thing where like this it seems to be co-opting 9-11 yeah 
and it annoyed me. I didn't really think that, but like I, I, yeah. Oh, 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 here's why. Because I feel like that also ties into my like inability to connect with a Gen X on Wii, like the hopelessness, recklessness, because I feel like I'm too young. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Even though you're still a millennial, you're a geriatric millennial. Fuck you. But you're, you were in high school and like you knew it like when. I was not in high school. I was in college. Holy shit. <laughs> Even worse. But like when the, when the plane hit the tower, I'm sure you were like in front of the TV all day, right? Nope, like, slept through it. Really? It was like noon. I kept trying to get on the internet. Couldn't get on the internet. No one was home. This is... <laughs> <laughs> didn't, didn't bother turning on the TV. Uh, my mom was at a real estate seminar. She came home and she was like crying. And I was like, what's going on? She was just like... Are you kidding me? <laughs> and I was like, all right. And then I went on when I went So I, I knew about it before you did it. And you had no restrictions. Yeah. Uh, and then me and Dylan and Matt went to give blood. The line was way too long. It was like way too long. Like we would never get to give blood. Um, Dylan and Matt were still in high school. So they got out and, uh, and they picked me up and then we went to give blood. And the line was way too long. And there was a pornography shop next to the uh, <laughs> next to the blood place. And we were like, you want to go in this porn store? <laughs> we just like went and browsed porn on 9-11. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. So that's why I can't get into the book. <laughs> <laughs> But I feel, I feel like I'm in the wrong, in a lot of different ways, just in the wrong demo for this. Like, I'm close. And that's what I think was frustrating. Because, like, if I was way far away, like, we were talking about, like, with prep and stuff, right? It's like, we're so not the demo that we can kind of envision it. Like, it's not like we're kind of, like, this is like, I'm, I'm like a half a dial turn away in, like, three or four different ways. Yeah. And none of it is connecting with me. And, like, I feel like it should, and it's just not. And then to have the 9-11 thing amplify the stuff I was feeling earlier and then also feel like it's co-opting New York's I don't know even though she, I think she teaches Princeton I think she's like local I think Susan Choi is like from around here so I'm not like saying she's like stealing valor of 9-11 but it just feels like why is this in this novel yeah why is this become the I mean I understand why in a real thing but like why does this become the defining characteristic trait in Regina's life in this particular story you know we have questions Susan Choi hit us up uh, lottery pod at cageclub.me. Yep. I was thinking about should I tag authors on Twitter when we don't like their book? No. Don't do it. Yeah, I'm not going to. Not cool. Yeah, it's just like uh just let's just be chill about it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't need to I don't need to alert Susan Choi that I didn't like enjoy her work. I mean, if she googles her name and finds it then you know that's her That's, that's fine. Her. That's that, that that's fine. Uh, again, I I'm not like I don't know. Like this book is not for me. But it's like that doesn't mean that Susan Joy is a bad person or something like no, that. No, no, no. So it's you know whatever. There is there is my favorite line in this is from the party, from the dinner party. Yeah. Hearing Lawrence's voice was like stumbling while strolling along in a dream. I jerked with alarm and lost hold of Martha, who stepped quickly away. Yet I felt when I turned my eyes toward her, I gained her to a greater degree, which I like already. But then here we go. She stood crimson-faced and extensively rumpled, as if she'd been rousted from bed, and my guts avalanched within me, and I knew I adored her. And Pretty I'm like, good. That's Pretty good. beautiful. Yeah. Love that. And then, I think that might be end of chapter, possibly, and then we're like, month in the relationship. I'm like, no, I want I want the puppy love. I want that. I want more of that. Even though I feel, I feel like Regina does well, they, have no, that Well, no, no, no. They're not, they don't go into 
the, a month into the relationship. Like, after that, for a significant while, it's Regina pursuing her, like, calling yeah. her on the phone and showing up at her house, and she, like, g- gets her to come meet her at the coffee house. Walking there in the middle of the night on, like, a cold winter night, like, in a t-shirt. And yeah, Regina, yeah, yeah, And Martha's like, what are you doing? Right. He's upstairs. Yeah. Like, that part is interesting to me, because then it, th- that is playing on the taboo of it, on, on the, like, this this tension of, like, everything is is fucked because like i the, the 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 part that i like the best is when Brodor discovers her when she's like at the chinese restaurant and she gets out of the car and he's right there because yeah. that's like the only part in the book where i'm where i'm like oh like this something is about to happen but then nothing really happens no. like he's basically just like uh you hurt me and come back to my house and we'll talk it out a little bit and then we jump forward in time yeah to, to when like they're they've already split up um, or they had already split up at that point. Their whole thing is that they both sort of travel for work and they have all these friends in different cities and they'll have like this like basically Airbnb before it's Airbnb and they let, let each other stay and whatever. And so he's away for a month. But we don't know that Martha's like, hey, extend that canoe trip or whatever by three weeks because like I don't want you here anymore. Yeah. We don't know that. She's like, oh, he's gone for a month. It's like, oh, OK. But he's like been in town for three weeks. Yeah. And he just runs into her at the thing and it's. Like that part, I think is pretty is pretty good, and then and then Brodor, they, they, she ends up having a relationship with Brodor, where after after she and Martha break up because of Dutra, she and Brodor have a sexual relationship. I think is rightly made fun of by the characters in the the at the party, right? Yeah, yeah. Because there's like a dumpy kind of like a warehouse. Yeah, where like sad, disgraced, sad, sad, sad men go. <laughs> yeah, it's like you know the Hollywood complex, but like for divorced dads. Yeah. She's go. She goes from one party to next door where he lives, and as she's passing these people, are like, oh, is that like a work study program? You can sleep with both of them. Like, I want that job or whatever. Yeah, because because everyone at this school is bisexual. Uh huh. Yeah, it does feel like both Brodor and Martha are hot, or at least hot in a small, like big fish in a small pond. Both attractive for sure. Yeah, like yeah. rock star or whatever. Yeah, and they're you know yeah because they're they're uh, popular young people in the humanities program yep. at, at a school that's like you get a sense that it's a school like bennington or something like that sure there's one other part that i liked in this book going back when regina realizes that when she goes over to martha's house and they sleep when she sleeps over and they have sex that she's been in the guest room mm-hmm. i feel like yeah, that's a, that's funny that's a nice gut punch <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or just like oh i thought this was like a real thing yeah like no you are not worthy of the of the bedroom and then that's never addressed yeah, it's also really funny how she leaves her up there and she's like, don't come down. And then she's just like abandons her, <laughs> leaves her like stuck in the room for a while. And then like almost immediately she's just like, well, like how long do you want me to wait? She's like, I don't know, till I tell you to come down? Yeah. There's one book in here. Read the one book. What book was it? I don't remember. She's a book on the floor. Let's talk about the very end of the book. Yeah. Right. The, Regina. The date. Yeah. W- even before then, because Regina like, she goes to visit Martha and... Regina's husband knows that Regina is going to cheat on him. And he's just like, I guess go ahead. What am I? I hope you come back. No, he doesn't say that. But like, that's his, that's his like, she's like, love you. I'll see you soon. He just goes, I love you. And like, it's like, because he didn't, that's the only part of it. He knew that he could say for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, he doesn't even know that she's coming back. Although it feels like they're in a loveless marriage. Like they love each other, but it's just like, there's no spark there anymore. Right. But this poor guy, I mean, so, so, um, he's got a, kid named after an animal uh, yeah, it's weird. shitty wife yeah yeah um struggling to write this book i don't know like Mar- well so hold on so dutra shows back up and dutra's like guess what i got married yeah 
And then I almost died because I ate a lobster, and it's like, who fucking cares? <laughs> Why are we talking about this bullshit? Apparently, lobsters have—they can feel things. Did you hear that? They're like—they're aware of pain. There's a whole thing that came out today. What do you mean a whole thing that came out today? This is a very, very popular essay by David Foster Wallace know, called "Consider the lobster. lobster." I know, but there was something. There's a new study that came out today that a lot of <laughs> okay. crustaceans have more pain receptors than we originally thought. This is the fucking entire point of that essay. I understand. <laughs> Somebody linked to it. <laughs> okay. I know. I'm right. not right. But, okay. So he's like, guess what? I got married. We're like, okay. And she, he brings her over, and then they immediately get divorced. And it's like, okay. But then Dutra's back in Regina's life. Like, that's all that that did. Yeah. And then he's just like, well, I got me too, sort of. I can't do this anymore. I'm going west. And it's like, what? Okay. And he just leaves. Like, he shows up in the novel and then leaves the novel. Gives her a $10,000 check. Yep. And also Alicia money as well. His yeah. almost former wife, even though they love each other like siblings, and she's the one we mentioned before who had been abused by her dad and is now a lesbian. Ah, so fucking convoluted. Because there's only like eight characters, and like they all intertwine in ways. It's like, why do you know? How do you know each other? So anyway, so Regina's actions at the end of the text, um, like not even cheating on her husband, which of course is whatever, because like she loves Martha. In a way that she doesn't love her husband. So it's like, again, not a flaw. She's doing it out of love. Okay, 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 okay. Um, but to like put that switcheroo shit at the Chinese restaurant with Martha and Dutra, like no way, man. No fucking way. Would you Would you tolerate that? I would not tolerate that. If I was who? If you were Dutra. No. Or if you were Martha, for that matter. Martha maybe a little more than Dutra. The only person who seems like he should be into it is Joaquin, who's just like, this is great blog content. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. The the sheep blog is going to be a little a little hotter tonight. The grand visitation or whatever he called it, right? Because here's what happens, dear listener, if you have not read this book, which I would suggest don't read this book. She's like, Dutra, let's get, you were telling me about the sushi place, let's meet up for sushi. He's like, cool. In San Francisco, she flies yeah. out there. Yes. To, yeah. And then she's like, oh, hey, by the way, Martha's here. I'm not telling Dutra this. I'm going to go sleep with Martha. I'm also going to meet her son, Joachim. Oh, by the way, Dutra, we're going to have a, it's going to be a reservation for four and Martha's coming. We we learn. She never tells Dutra that. Right. Um, we learn somewhere through this way, maybe through Alicia, that actually Dutra has been carrying a torch for Martha this entire time. Regina is like her good act is like to reunite them. Together. I think we, 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 we learned that from Alicia, right? Yeah. Yeah. So her good act is to is to reunite them together. And, like, if I were Dutra, I would tell Regina to go fuck herself. Well, it seems like he wants to because he's spo- she's supposed to meet him there. And then she's like, yeah, Martha, you just go ahead. I'm running a little bit late. I'm in traffic with your son. Yeah. And he gets there. And then, like, Dutra – or she gets there. And then Dutra calls her basically like, what the fuck? Yeah. And she's like, don't worry. I'll be there soon. And, like – the tech, the book says something like it's hours. It's like an hour and a half, yeah. two hours or something. I'll be there. He like sounds so frustrated, but then they finally do get there. She says to Joaquin, "Just go inside," and then leaves. Yeah, and flies home. End of book. End of book. But it seems like from the outside, Martha and Dutra having a grand old time. They're gonna get together. They're gonna get married. They're gonna live on a sheep farm together. It is weird that like. The happy ending here, it's ostensibly a happy ending for everybody. Except for um, good old uh, Martin, or whatever the fuck his name is, the husband. I had it written down. Maybe I didn't have it written down. I, oh, Matthew. Matthew. 
Yeah, but it feels like it's like Dutra becomes the protagonist, sort of in a way. Like things happen to Dutra. Yeah, it's it's like the the, the third act doesn't make any sense. Mm-mm. It doesn't make any sense to the action of the first two acts, which are uh, a, a sort of dense infidelity drama. Okay, so let's play this game for a second. So the first two thirds are where they are. Regina and Martha together. And then Martha and Dutra sleep together maybe once or maybe a couple times or whatever. They break up and Regina's with Brodeur, right? What do you do in the final third of the book if you're writing this? I kind of look at it as, well, I spent the, you know, I I spent some time elaborating on on how I think that we could have given depth to Dutra sleeping with Martha, having his sleeping with Martha be a a, a vengeance thing. Um, I think you have to get all of those characters in the room together. Brodor and Martha and Dutra and Regina. Yeah, you have to get all of them in a room together. Because that doesn't happen. There's never, I don't like, at most we get Brodor, we get Martha, Dutra and Regina together. And that only happens once or twice. You know, honestly, what you could have done, and I, I'm trying to think of how you get the four of them together, because it feels like there's no reason for them to get together. Yeah. If something happens to Joaquim and Regina is with Brodor and Martha is with Dutra, and, like, the kid gets into a car accident, like, he gets, like, a school bus accident or something like that or whatever. And they, they both, as co-parents, rush to the hospital, and then all four of them are there. Yeah, that, I do, do not like that, but that would work. I just can't think of another way that, like, why would why would the I don't four know. of them well, ever well, get together? Well, Dutra has to be the, the Dutra's the one who ruined everything, so Dutra has to be the one that, that. Do you think that Dutra and Martha, I don't know if that matters, but just for the sake of this thought exercise, did they sleep together once a bunch of times, or they have, like, a relationship? They slept together once. Definitively. Yeah, because Martha was not interested in Dutra. Martha was only slept with Dutra in order to, as a means of breaking up with right. Regina. Yeah. Which is another reason why the ending is bullshit. Because it's like, Martha is not interested in Dutra. Martha is not in love with Dutra. Dutra might be in love with Martha, So, but, like... Regina taking the risk of setting up Martha and Dutra is like... Yeah, Martha's like, still in love with Regina. Like, that is a reason why Martha should be like, go fuck yourself. I have no interest in this. There's no, like, there's no reason for Regina to think that that would work because Martha is not actually interested in Dutra. She used Dutra just to break up with Regina, which is an incredibly cruel thing to do. Yeah. Like taking someone's best friend and, and manipulating them in order to hurt you as much as possible so that you're hurt enough to break up with someone that, like, nothing other than a nuclear bomb would break you up. Don't talk to that person ever again. Yep. You don't need that toxicity in your life. What she needs is self-care TikTok in her life, teaching her how to do it, how to how to become the type of person that faces the day with a positive outlook. Maybe get yourself a TM mantra. Maybe read some self-help books. Some self-help books. We have a new segment, Is There a Sex Move, called Blank. What do you want to look up? <laughs> I forgot that that was a segment. Is There a Sex Move? This is where I go on UrbanDictionary.com and I just type in a thing and I see if there's a, a, a high upvoted thing. Is There a Sex Move called the 9-11? Oh, okay. This is actually a long-standing joke with another group of people that I have. An anniversary of a tragic event that's now used to sell anything online. Airlines, magazines, sodas, etc. <laughs> that's the sex. No. <laughs> the sex, the anniversary of a tragic event, of a tragic sexual event. Urban Dictionary is very liberal, apparently. Yeah, Which don't, it, let's, let's think of a different one. Not 9-11. We don't want this. Do you same. think the Dutra is a thing? No, because like that would have to be someone who read this book. 
How did this Is There a Sex Move Call thing happen? It was in the last book that we talked about. Is there a sex move called The Sheep Blog? Is there a sex... In the last episode, I don't remember why this came up about The Mandalorian. Is there a sex move called The Mandalorian? (laughs) Let's say in this one, is there a sex move called The Sheep Blog? The Sheep Blog. That can't be. It can't possibly be. The Sheep Blocker is an asshole that will cock block you for anything, even sheep. Uh, Oh, yeah. All right. Whatever. That's okay. A sheep boy. Uh Uh-huh. Because that's Joaquin. All right. A male who supplies a non-sexual masculine service to females for money. I don't know if I like this segment. (laughs) This was your idea, man. (laughs) We won't do it anymore. (laughs) All right. Casting. Before we do the email. Uh, I have good casting. Yeah, go ahead. You go and then I'll go. The one that I feel is definitive, although we cast him in everything, but it works perfectly. Dutra is Adam Driver. Sure. Very similar to his character in Girls. Caveman, sexual, smart, articulate. Yep. Uh, moves his body in an interesting way. Because I told you that casting before I think you'd even read, or maybe you were like 30 pages in, but you were very early. Did you picture him as Adam Driver or did you picture somebody else? He No, Adam Driver, he's very, very similar to his character in Girls. Yeah. Like, they're they're very similar. Manic Pixie, Lion Cook. Yeah. Have you guys been hearing my stomach growl for the entire... I do. Is that registering on the mic? I don't know. Okay. Who would you have for Regina? Vanessa Hudgens. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Still can play her early 20s. I had kind of kind of deserves another shot at serious film. Uh, she she had Spring Breakers and then has been sort of mired in no man's land. Well, you since. remember what happened last year where she went on Instagram live and she's like, so like it's a virus <laughs> and like I get it. People are going to die. And that's like really sad. Yeah. Bring her back. I'm all about it. I had Aubrey Plaza. Who I think is maybe half Asian, possibly, but I feel oh, like <laughs> I know you hate you don't you not like her? No, she's fine. Also, then by the end, I'll I'll say this for the later. I, I kind of recast her the, the Asian thing or whatever, but yeah, okay. Who's Jeffrey Brodor? Tom Hiddleston. Ooh, okay. Austere, perverted, hot, but in an academic way. Guy Pierce. Okay. A little maybe old. too old. Yeah. yeah. But again, this is all just like uh-huh. fantasy casting and like whatever. Sure. Uncircumcised penis on Guy Pierce. Just kidding. I have no idea. Martha. Michelle Williams. Oh, okay. She's cool. Yeah. I had Elizabeth Debicki. Do you know her? No clue. Do you see Widows? Yeah. Like the six foot tall woman? I don't know. Or Diane Kruger. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Probably too old. I also cast Matthew and Nikki. Matthew is Regina's husband and Nikki is Dutra's wife for like a minute. Yeah. Matthew, Mike Birbiglia. And then I was just like, okay, because like he's like a New York guy, like just like downtrodden, whatever. Uh, and I had Larry David as Matthew. <laughs> really? <laughs> and then I was like, okay, so comedian. And then like Nikki shows up. And I'm just like, oh, it's Maria Bamford. She's like, oh, yeah, I'm 39. And they're like, fuck if she's 39. <laughs> so like it would be something, someone who's older. But I'm also like, you know, if I'm casting comedians, I'm casting comedians. Maria Bamford. Yeah. Who'd you have directing it? Uh, I, didn't, I didn't pick a director, but with these kind of infidelity dramas, my I always go to Adrian Lyne. Sexy, sexy I mean, he, yeah, he's the guy that does erotic thrillers. This is not a thriller, but in my version of it, it's a thriller because they all get gunned down. So here's here's what happened when I got to the 2007 New York, when it becomes a New York novel. Yeah. Just like how Little Italy, the Emma Roberts film filmed in Toronto about New York's Little Italy uh-huh. is not really a New York thing, but this is also not really a New York thing, but it's also a New York thing. I have no idea what the fuck you're talking it's about. It's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> like you're, it was like you were doing that big pun line about Little Italy right there. You were just like looping in on itself. All right. Go ahead. 
so it becomes a New York novel. And I'm like, okay, I got Adam Driver. I'm like, you know who actually could be a Regina throughout the entire thing? I could see a Greta Gerwig in mm-hmm. a Regina role. Sure, yeah, yeah. And then I'm like, and then just have Noah Baumbach direct it. Right. So it, just be, it becomes the upcoming film, White Noise. Yeah, uh, I want. Yeah, it's. It feels like the. Um, you know, they, they don't make a big deal out of her uh, identity throughout the book. Identity in what R- way? Regina, Regina's. I. They don't make a big deal out of her Asianness. It's. It's. I think it's mentioned once and then sort of tossed off. It feels like because they say Gottlieb. Yeah, they're like, oh, it's Germanic, but you don't look that either. Like she's, she's also just, sometimes called Virginia. That, I that, think Dush that, just calls her that. That happens like, twice. He the, calls her Ginny right. as a short for Regina, and then I think he just transforms. It feels like just like a pet name. Right. Like how you have like a cat or dog that has like a nickname that then the nickname becomes a different nickname. And she's like, well, how does that – it doesn't relate to the original thing. Yeah. It's just like – I think Regina becomes Ginny becomes Virginia. Do you think this could be a good movie? Would it be a better movie than the book? I think it would be a much better movie than book, especially if you cut out the third act and just fucking like sawed it off like how Bugs Bunny saws Florida off and lets it drift off into the ocean. America's Troopy Dick. I don't know how you like you know you have it. There's no ending if you do that, but there's no ending anyway. I think so, you could. I think you could also adapt the, th- the last third into the novel into the movie, and I think it would be better. Yeah, because I feel like you would you would have to simplify things because there's just like all of a sudden just like chaos. Like the first two thirds of the book are like four characters. It's or five characters maybe because you also have like Lucia kind of a little bit, but it's just like. It's the main four, right? And then a couple of side characters. And then all of a sudden, it's just like, here's six new characters and none of them matter. What if Ari Oster made it into a, a horror movie? Like, who made Krisha? Did you see that movie, Krisha? No. Krisha? It's an A24 movie. Troy, Trey Edward Schultz. Never heard of him. He did It Comes at Night. and he, It Comes at Night. I know Charles and Schultz, who did Peanuts. He also did Waves. Uh, didn't that movie suck? I didn't like it. Anything else you want to say about this book before we read the email? No, let's do... I assume we're not doing the... We're here too late to do uh, Judge a Book by its cover again. We have an email address, lottery or lotterypod at cageclub.me. Who do you want to email? Susan Choi. Susan Choi. E- email us, Susan. Let's get together. Let's hash this out. You're a New Jersey girl, I think. I think she teaches at Princeton. Beats me. Susan Choi is the author of three novels, The Foreign Student, winner of the Asian American Literary Award, American Woman, a finalist at the Pulitzer Prize, and a person of interest, a finalist for the Penn Faulkner Award, a recipient... Blah, blah, blah. She teaches at Princeton and lives in Brooklyn with her husband and sons. That's a fucking commute. Yeah, why would you do that? I mean, I guess I get it. She probably doesn't actually commute. She probably teaches one day a week or something. Or she's. But email us, lottery at cageclub.me. We have an email from Egg Meg's reaction to my education. This email is a bit of a mess, she warns, because I forgot to write one. And then Bobby let me know last night. Oh, by the way, you're Bobby Fisher. You're not the, you're not the snow guy. Inform. Let me know last night you were recording today. Overall, I did not like this book, and I can't see myself recommending it to people to read for fun. However, I am curious to hear about whether you guys liked it, because I could also see this book being one I appreciate to a certain extent after hearing other opinions on it. Nope. Probably not. I don't think we talked you into liking it. So that's something that I think this podcast, again, that's kind of the point of the podcast or what we do, and that's what we all the movie podcasts is just like to sort of better understand things. I've liked some books more. I've liked some books less after we do these things. This I'm just like, nope, still don't like it. Yeah. So there's another book that I listened to as an audiobook. The reader was pretty good and had a different voice for each character. Her voice for Regina was pretty whiny, though, and definitely <laughs> made me feel have less sympathy for her <laughs> when she was trying funny. to pine after Martha. Oh, Martha, come on, Martha. Let me eat your pussy, Martha. Also, multiple uses of the hard C in this one, too. 
Yeah, well, you're allowed to. You, you know, I feel like lesbians are allowed to say that more than anyone else. I don't know why. <laughs> She's married to a man. Okay. Well, the characters in the book are in a lesbian relationship. It's true. This is a very hot take from Egg. I found the 2007 part to be more compelling because I was interested in the stories around Regina as opposed to only containing the thoughts that were in her head. Well, okay. So I, I, I obviously disagree with Meg, but like I can appreciate that point of view because Regina is an unlikable character. So if we like go outside of Regina to learn about Dutra, who I think I've said is the only character in the book that I find compelling at all. Yeah. And and like that makes sense to me. Like if you took the part three and made it its own little novella, I might like that better. The ending was so disappointing to me. By the end of Martha and Regina's relationship, Martha was totally and completely the villain. I don't think that's the case. I think Regina's the villain. Wait, no, in their in their I I think it depends on on what uh the old egg over there means. Um Let me keep, let me finish the paragraph. All right. She had the gall to be offended that no one wanted to hang out with her after cheating on her girlfriend with her girlfriend's best friend. Oh, there is a good line. She's like, oh, yeah, that's right. The bitch drinks alone, which I thought that was like, you looking for sympathy from the reader or from Regina? <laughs> yeah. Like, you just yeah, slept who, with Dutra. Yeah, what do you, what do you, yeah. For Regina did not have learned her lesson and cheat on her reliable husband felt so icky. And then are we supposed to be proud of Regina for giving Martha to Dutra? The whole thing was just weird. Martha didn't even want Dutra. This is a problem. Yeah. No, I, I I agree with Meg. I think I think that Martha is the villainess at the end because she, you know, sleeps with uh, Dutra. Dutra. Yeah, Why that, that? that makes her the bad guy. So here's another thing that I think. I think that Martha is never in love with Regina. For sure. Even remotely close to the way that Regina's in love with Martha. Yeah, true. And I think that if we were in Martha's head, be like, this fucking annoying girl. Like, I like having sex with her because she's young and hot or whatever. But, like... That, that person's still the villain. <laughs> I understand that. But, like... Okay. We're in Regina's head. And it's like, how could the love of my life... Right. ...sleep with my best friend? Which, it's not a bad... It's not a good thing when I when I flip it around. But with when you're in Martha's head, it's just like, I don't really like this girl. Like, she's just around. My, my marriage is falling apart. Again... Just a warm body. Right. If Mar- not her, yeah. It's Martha is, is self-destructive in a way that is compelling. Right. Um, and and if we were in Martha's head, she would be a compelling, self-destructive character. Yes. I think if we in Brodeur's head, like I think of the four main characters, we're in the the most boring, the worst place to be. Yeah, I think that that's a compulsion of a lot of these writers because that's also the case with Prep. Yeah. Like they pick the most boring character, and they're like, let's let's see what's going on with her. Nothing. Nothing is going on with her. I think something else that bothered me was that it felt like it didn't quote-unquote count within the moral context of the novel that Regina cheated on her poor husband either because Martha was a woman, which you were saying before in a different context, or because she was Regina's quote-unquote great love. We don't see any consequences, just Regina riding off into the sunset after setting the two up. Her lip was split by Martha. There are going to be questions. It just felt like Regina's education quote-unquote education, was to learn to be an adult, and then she didn't really learn anything. The last thing I'd like to mention is that I thought it was a bit weird that she matured because of 9-11. Thank you, Egg. <laughs> all in all, this book didn't resonate with me. The, the part about, about her education, learning how to be an adult, I think that's a really good note. The t- title-wise... I think it's a good title. It, it is It is a good... I wish the book matched the title a little bit Well, because I think... Because I'm like, okay, so what is the education? And when you said, I think it's a lesbian drama, and I'm like, I'm not there yet, I don't know. 
And then I'm like, oh, so it's like her learning how to be a lesbian or whatever, right? And then it's like, oh, no, it's not that. It's just her learning how to be an adult. It's like, okay, yeah, kind of. And then it's like her learning how to, like, put her life together after 9-11. Just like it, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I think My Education is also the name of a William Burroughs book. Cool. I guess so. Thank you, Egg. If you want to email in Lottery or Lottery Pod, surprise us. They both come to me at cageclub.me. We also have a Patreon at patreon.com slash lotterypod and twitter.com slash lotterypod. I think our Amazon Audible deal went away because nobody did it. Goddamn, you people. The quest to 30,000 continues. Uh, Keep reading. Today's crime is going 86 miles an hour in a 55 mile an hour zone which I think is called Reckless Drive. And when I asked for a separate room It was late at night And we've been driving since noon